You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, Joe, the gang back at Tide 100.9. We appreciate everybody tuning us in on this fine Tuesday in which uh, our sites will move away from the NCAA. Certainly we won't talk about it, but tonight you've got Utah Valley taking on UAB's Blazers. And that game is slated 8.30 tonight, and we'll see the... uh, the Blazers have just played wonderfully in the postseason. So has Jelly Walker. That's one of the reasons they're there. Lars, it's Matt. Uh, you want to come over and watch the Blazers game tonight? Let's do it. Let's uh, let's watch Jelly light it up. I, I I just thoroughly enjoy everything about his game. And, and again, I, I go back to uh, when I was researching my very first book in the late 90s. Uh, it's called Pickup Artists. It's about playground basketball in America. And uh, I wrote it with Chad Millman, who went on to become the uh, top editor at ESPN.com and ESPN the Magazine. And uh, we tried to find the best playground player Right in each city, in, in 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 many of the major American cities, and in prison, and and so. But I was one of my cities was New York, and so I, I went to uh, up to Rucker and Harlem. Uh, this place called the Cage uh, down in the Village, a famous pickup court, and, uh, and and just the 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 creativity, the style of play. Uh, that I saw on those courts, right? Like this time, like top, we're talking top level, top level ball. Uh, you see that with all the great New York City point guards, right? Going down through the years and, uh, and you see that in Jelly, right? Just the, the improvisation, the, the attitude, the uh, ability just to get the shot off, create space, just just break a dude down one on one. Everything about his game, Matt, screams New York City to me, and I and I, I just I, I love watching him play. He's really one of my favorite players in the country. Well, he's a lot of people's favorite players, and uh, I know that when he runs out on the floor at Bartow Arena. There's a little bit more juice in the crowd. He's just that kind of player. And I want to talk about, was there a guy that played street ball? Now, this was uh, before you started writing. There was a book about uh, New York City street ball. Was a guy named Helicopter Jones or something like that that was uh, – do you, does that name ring a bell at all? Because another guy did a book yeah. similar. Yeah. Another guy uh, did a similar uh, book to yours. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it, Rick Tellender wrote a, a book called uh, "Heaven Is a Playground," and uh, that and, and Rick and I ended up uh, uh, working together at SI for a bunch of years. And yeah, there was um, uh, a, a player called uh, Helicopter. 
and uh, I think it was Helicopter who uh, yeah. <laughs> he um, Alex Wolf, another guy who wrote a a, a, a book on pickup. yeah he was he was a big basketball guy for SI back in the days. So yes, yeah, Alex. Uh, yeah, and Alex. I wish I had a copy of the book uh, uh, near me right now, but in the foreword to the book, Alex wrote um, <laughs> he wrote about uh, he, he quoted I, I think I think he quoted Helicopter, and this is like this distills street basketball in New York to its essence. He said uh, uh, it was uh, no, it was somebody talking about Helicopter, and he said it was the greatest dunk I ever saw. And I was in Philadelphia at the time. <laughs> you know, so like with street basketball, the facts don't sit still necessarily, right? And uh, I, I just uh, I had so much fun writing that book and and, uh, and and just learning what book writing entailed and the level of research. And I ended up focusing on for New York on this player named Speedy Williams. And he was a, he was a point guard, and in uh, Speedy easily could have played in the NBA, but in his mind he could make more money on the street, right? hustling guys. But he also was involved in this sort of dark underworld of drug basketball, where uh, two drug dealers would get together and they would be act like general managers and owners of teams. And they would wager about two hundred thousand a game, and then they would play. They would pay like the top players, uh, you know, five, ten grand a game, and it would be a hundred to one. You play, you play to a hundred, buy ones, and uh, and and one speedy uh, sort of vouched for me, and I was able to go to one game up in Harlem on one hundred fifty fifth Street. A um, little nervous, not going to lie, because there certainly were weapons uh, there. But uh, in, in this world, Speedy was just, uh, you know, again, the most sort of like coveted player and uh, ended up being a real uh, fascinating guy to, to hang out with. And, and you know, he, he did have a tryout with the Knicks, but of course he showed up 35 minutes late. Right. That'll, that'll work in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. So, That's, uh, Speedy was kind of tough to pin down sometimes, uh, but I, I earned his trust. And, and, uh, and yeah, we ended up writing about, uh, the best player on, uh, on a, on a, on a, on a Native American reservation, best player in prison, best player in LA, best, uh, uh, female player in Chicago. And it was a young, a young woman named, uh, Dawn Staley who was just tearing up, tearing up, or that she was from Philly, excuse me. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, she was in Philly and we wrote about her as being the best pickup player in Philly and how in high school, she was in high school at the time and how she would just go and, and just crush the, the guys, right? On, on all the top, uh, playground courts at throughout Philly. And now, of course, she's, you know, um, perhaps the most decorated female basketball player of all time. If you include her coaching at South Carolina, um, certainly, you know, Chad and I had no idea that that was coming, but, uh, yeah, again, just jelly, just he reminds me. Of the best street ball players, uh, I, I got to see when we were, 
uh, doing the reporting for that book. More news from basketball from the floor. Tuscaloosa, uh, Namari Burnett, who had uh, somewhat, he played just about every game, but uh, he's going to enter the transfer portal. I'm not sure if that's going to start a domino effect. I don't think many guys are going to leave the University of Alabama, to be honest with you, but we will see. Also, the National Association of Basketball Coaches have voted Brandon Miller as their freshman of the year. Thought that was interesting, the fact that it was coaches. I think that says, that says something as well. Hey, we will take phone calls here on Big Noon Sports. You can just dial us up, 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904, and check out our website, www.bignoonsports.com, and Twitter feed is at Big Noon Sports. Lars, what's going on on your side of town? And, you know, in the case of Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter, I mean that. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, if I had a really strong arm, uh, I might be able to hit your house from my I house. think you're a driver three wood away. <laughs> yeah, uh, if, you, so. if, you, if you got a good bounce off a of 31, I think it'd land in my front <laughs> Anyway. Well, I, I thought about you yesterday, uh, the, at the, uh, uh, when I got the news and I'm sure you read it. Um, at the NFL owners meetings in Phoenix, uh, your Green Bay Packers, uh, the GM Brian, Gu- Brian Gutenkisk, uh, he met with reporters and, uh, you know, there's always a lot of interesting news that comes out of these meetings. Yeah. True. Right? Like, because the coaches, because uh, the coaches really, they, they, you have great access to the coaches in a sort of a, a, a more casual environment where they're just sitting at a, a, a like a, a, a round table, and um, and, and you know it's just it, 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 it's it's crazy how much interesting news comes out. But Gutenkisk uh, was not, uh, <laughs> you, you know, with Aaron Rod, it's it's this thing with Aaron Rodgers, like. You just never know what is truth and what is not with uh, Aaron. And Gutenkis said that that he had reached out multiple times in the off season to discuss how Aaron would uh, fit into the Packers' plans, right, moving forward. Like they wanted to uh, to have Aaron come back, right? He's under contract. Um, and then you know what Gutenkis told reporters that our inability to reach him. Or for him to respond in any way, I think at that point I had to do my job, and that means move on. <laughs> I mean, and, and of course, Aaron Rodgers, you know, his version of of the truth is very different than other people's version. So I was just curious who, who who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. In, in oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm, you know, I I talk I, about my Packers all the time. You're my love for them. Kind of done with Aaron Rodgers, aren't you? I am, and you know I loved him as a player. Obviously, immensely talented, but over the past few years, especially, he's been a tool. He's been a tool, and I, as far as who I'm going to believe here, I'm going to believe the guy that doesn't sit in the dark for four days and doesn't go to South America and do psychedelic drugs. So yeah, I'm siding with management here. Does it? Does that? Summing up for you. Yeah. All right. And you know what, though? I, I actually, I think this is going to work out really well for the Packers because 
it's like you're you're selling your most valuable asset when his skills are diminishing, right? And like he he's just, he just has like one two years left. I think you're exactly and, right. And you're gonna at least get. I don't know, two second round picks, maybe a first and a second. I will, we'll see what, what comes out of it. And the fact is that you did invest a first round in Jordan Love. He is now sat on the bench for three years, just like Aaron Rodgers did. And you just, you got to roll the dice with the guy that you believed in, the guy that you picked. So I, I, I really, you know, I've thought about this a lot. I, I think the Packers have kind of played their hand the right way. Yeah, and you know, they similar, and I use that term loosely, similar controversy when um, Favre left. But guess who came in? Guess who won a Super Bowl? The Tool. (laughs) Hey, uh, Utah Valley is the opponent of UAB tonight. I wonder what you know about Utah Valley. I'm going to quiz Lars on Utah Valley trivia on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool afternoon, partly to mostly sunny, the high 64. Mostly fair tonight, the low at 39. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 65. Thursday's high at 67 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big News Sports, Matt Christian Lars bringing you this show a little afternoon. As uh, we're going to talk some UAB Utah Valley, it's called UBU, and Christian, I want you to play along too, and I want to. I'm going to ask a few questions about Utah Valley. I will tell you in advance, gentlemen. I knew none of these. Okay, so I got the jump by googling Utah Valley. All right. Do either one of you know where what city it's located in? Take a guess. Mm-hmm. Salt Lake. Yes. Yeah, I, I probably could only name like four cities. In I don't even know if I can uh, name Provo. Provo. I would go with Salt Lake too. Go ahead, Lars. Provo. Okay, there you go. That's where BYU is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's in Orem, O-R-E-M. I've never even heard of it. Hmm. I don't even know what side of the state it's on. Do you know what conference they play in? Mm. No. Wow. I'm I'm going to, uh, this is not going to be death by a thousand cuts because once again, let me remind you, I didn't know either. Do you know their nickname? I did hear, I, yeah, it's the Wolverines. Very good. Very good. Uh, their first nationally televised game was last week against Cincinnati. That's how long they've been around playing hoops. Okay. One final. 
their most fan. This is just a note. I'm not going to ask because nobody would know this. The answer to this, not even if you went to Utah and lived in Orem. One of their most famous alums is Michael McDonald. Oh, wait, okay. A singer. Now, he was a professional basketball player. There's no notoriety is playing in one game for the Hornets. One game. You know who that reminds me of? Who's that? Moon, Moonlight Graham. <laughs> Field of well, I uh, I, because this story made a little bit of news that when Utah Valley beat Cincinnati uh, by six to advance to the NIT semifinals, right, to advance to play UAB, um, their, uh, the school president, A- Astrid Tumanez, uh, she was courtside, yeah. with pom pom. Yeah, I, I saw loved that. it. I it love it. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, and then I just did a little bit of research on her that she's the first woman to be full time president at the school. Um, and like you said, that the game against Cincinnati was their first ever nationally televised game. And, uh, I think it was Patino team or somebody like that. That if a team plays so aggressively on defense that they virtually foul the opponent every trip down the floor, do, do referees get whistle weary and just think, good grief, the tempo of this game's not going our way. Maybe I'm going to stop calling it the way I was a little while ago. I, I don't know that that would be the case. I, I think uh, I think just the opposite might be the case. Uh, when when things are getting too rough, you start calling a little bit more uh, to to try to stop that, to try to keep it from getting out of hand. But uh, you know, it, it's it's basketball officiating to me is the hardest game to officiate. I agree. And I say that with a little over 30 years of past experience and everything. But like I say, it's more of a reactionary thing. And hopefully you're going to get a, more, a percentage more correct than you do the, that you miss. And, and like I say, surprisingly, that number, that percentage is pretty high. But, uh, I, you know, I don't think you get tired of blowing the whistle. I think it's just the opposite. You try to blow more if... I mean, I've been in games or was in games where there'd be 60 fouls. Nobody, nobody likes to watch a game like that. But, uh, sometimes you have to blow the whistle that much because they're playing overly aggressive or they're playing lousy and fouling too much. Yeah, uh, Walter, I, I, I think, uh, yes, basketball referees do have the hardest job of all. And uh, it, it's so much respect for. It's amazing how often the referees get the call right in that split yeah. second. Yeah. Um, okay, so two quick questions. One, what is the hardest call to to make in, in when you're refing a game? And then two, uh, my my friends and I joke all the time that in the NBA, it looks like they're traveling every single time that they drive <laughs> to the basket. Well, that's. That's part of what the problem is, I think, now with with college basketball, is it's beginning to be more and more like the pros. Uh, the hardest call to make is probably 
the block charge, uh, that that's almost an instantaneous call. And, they, of course, they help some with a little arc under the basket in college ball. But it's still such a bang-bang type thing that uh, you don't have time to react. But I think that's this is the evolving basketball, college and high school even now, uh, the evolving of the game toward more toward the pro game is apparently what people want. Although I I, I just don't agree with it at all. I just I think there's way too much uh, hand checking. I think there's way too much body against body in the lane. Uh, those types of things probably should still be called. But I can assure you that the officials who called in this NCAA tournament were all instructed to let them play. And that's what they've been doing. Walter, I have two quick questions as well. One, would you be in favor of more technology or more uh, replayability in order to, to create that parity and, and accuracy um, with these calls? And two, uh, as a ref, I'd imagine you have to be pretty active to be going up and down the court. Did you have a, a certain workout regimen? I like to work out myself. I'm just curious. Do refs have a, a workout regimen that they do that, that uh, they need to uh, follow a strict diet to stay in shape to, to be able to get their job done? Well, it, it starts... Uh of course, most people don't do it year year round, but uh, it starts five or six months prior to the season. And yeah, you need to do running and exercise to get in shape. Uh, I remember one game in junior college one year. I put a pedometer on and actually ran about six miles during a game. Uh, so it's it's a little more strenuous than people may think. And and of course, with three, you can slow down a little bit, but. Uh, uh, it's still a lot of exercise involved in getting in shape. And I forgot your first question was. Oh, I was just uh, asking if you were uh, in favor of, of, of more replays or technology in order to create some parity and, and accuracy with these calls. And that way, you know, we're not sitting here the day after discussing was it a foul or was it not? Would you be in favor of more replays throughout um, the games? No, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is probably a surprise you. I don't, I don't think so. I think how they've got it set up now is about as good as it should be. I mean, the human element cannot be taken out of the game altogether. And you couldn't tell through replay, like the, the like the, the last play in the Creighton game, you couldn't tell how much that guy's hand, left hand on his stomach, affected the kid's shot. So it's, replay is not going to help you there. It will help you see that the hand is on the stomach. But unless you're the official on the floor and see how the player who is fouled uh, reacts to the foul, uh, you, you're not going to be able to pick it up on this, on, on any kind of instant replay. Now, there are some, there are some things that need to be uh, adjudicated that way. And I think they do a pretty good job of that. Sometimes it takes a little too long, but I think they do a pretty good job. Walter, I have one more question slash story that we must get to. Do you mind holding through a break for us? Uh, no, no, I, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Walter's retired now. He's living the good life, traveling the globe. Oh. I have a statistic. That is the most mind-boggling in the history of Alabama basketball. That's coming up with Walter Garrett. Oh, big news for us. 
From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ADA, and this station. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Biori, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool afternoon, partly to mostly sunny, the high 64. Mostly fair tonight, the low at 39. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 65. Thursday's high at 67 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big News Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Kristen Miller and our guest for just a minute or two more. Uh, Walter, I appreciate your time very much. But uh, I'm going to turn back the clock. Actually, it's not the clock, Walter. When it comes to our age, I'm turning back a calendar. 1962-1963 high school basketball season. West End taking on Glenn. One of the Lions players. 
When I heard you lead in, I, I realized what you were going to talk about. And I started yeah, you, to knew, you knew I was going to bring this up. I have to. <laughs> it's amazing. Walter Garrett played for the Lions of West End. Christian, he scored 97 points in one game. Hmm? Wow. 97. <laughs> wow. Uh, Wal- uh, Walter, walk us through that, how it happened. Well, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know how it happened. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> the, the teammates got together before the game and decided I was going to take all the shots. And halfway through the first quarter, even the coach didn't know about it, and he called timeout and wondered what was going on, uh, although we were winning the game. And uh, they said, well, as long as we're winning, we're going to keep doing it, and that's that's what happened. <laughs> wow. You, uh, I looked it up last night because you know what I was curious about, Walter? I was curious about who's second, uh, for most points in a game. And it's 20 less with 77. Yeah. And it's, I can throw it in a swinging thimble. John Drew. John uh, Drew. Played, yeah. played Gardner Webb to the Hawks. I think yeah. he played 11 years. Now he could, he could shoot it too. Well, mine were all little gimmies, believe me. <laughs> Although, although a few of them probably would have rung up as, as three-point shot. Uh, you're, you're being, as usual, far too humble. Uh, welcome, well, my best to your wife, and a much continued success in your retirement. And it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure being on. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. Lars, what's the most you ever filled it up in a game, in a pickup game, whatever the case may be? I was about to say, I feel like Lars was a little quiet the past couple of minutes, so I had, if I had to guess, <laughs> he oh, might have checked out for a minute. Charlotte. Yeah, but I um, didn't play basketball, so Sorry, I can't really. Guys, I, I muted myself. I hate that when I do that. Um, I played in a Sports Illustrated. We had a team. We played in a press <laughs> league. Our big rival was the New York Times. Uh, and one game I got really hot and scored 29. That was that. That was my – that was my uh, – Career achievement in, in basketball. It's twenty nine. How about you, Christian? In a pickup game, what was your high? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't even tell. I didn't really keep track of it in pickup game. Yeah. I had thirty in one, Lars, and I'm not saying that just because it's one more than twenty nine, <laughs> but. But I did. And I, it's the only time I also fouled out. I was really angry. But we're not going to go into my anger issues right now, guys, okay? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, hate. Uh, Joe, you, how, how many have you scored, Joe? I think 31 sounds about, if, I, if memory oh, serves yeah, me right, 31 yeah. in the eighth grade. Now, right now. Yeah. Okay, now you turn around and ask Aiden, he's going to say 32. <laughs> I guess That's I'll score 33 then. <laughs> Hey, guys, do you know what happens on Thursday that excites me to no end? What's that? Major League Baseball opening day. You're a big baseball guy, man. I've I've, I've noticed that. Huge baseball guy. I'm very curious to see what these rule changes are going to do. Did you you play? Yeah, I I played a lot. Nice. Um, I never played in college. I'll tell you this. Where were you? Oh. Were you pitching? I outfield? Oh, I I pitched and I caught, believe it or not. I love catching. Um, Catching is one of the greatest positions in all of sport. 
Um, and it is so important. That's why so many catchers go on to be very successful managers because you have to know the whole game. But here's my favorite quote in baseball. Do you know why catchers are the smartest players on a baseball field? No. They're the only ones facing the right direction. <laughs> I mean, that's it. <laughs> Sure. I mean, it makes sense. Man, I, I, if I could go back, I wish I played baseball. I was always scared I'd get hit with a pitch. I don't know why I had that fear. I just was, I just imagined myself getting hit in the head with a pitch. It, it always made me, you know, a little hesitant to play. But looking back, I, I like to watch it now. And I'm like, dang, I feel like I could have been a decent baseball player. I got, got a good size for it. Yep. That's exactly what my son says, Christian. Like he's uh, he's going from coach pitch to uh, to kid pitch next season, and he's he's scared of getting hit. And I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. it doesn't hurt. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, tell that to Turner, who took one in the face. Don't catchers? Ouch. Don't catchers usually become managers? I mean, yeah. out of all the positions, it's the catcher who is most likely to become a manager. Exactly. That that is a true fact. Uh we're rolling out of the top of the break. When we get back next hour, we'll talk some more basketball. We're gonna welcome in Steve Irvine from UAB in a minute. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ADA, and this station. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. 
probably seen their clothing around town on game days. But check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool afternoon, partly to mostly sunny, the high 64. Mostly fair tonight, the low at 39. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 65. Thursday's high at 67 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Eight thirty tonight, Utah Valley, UVU versus the Blazers of UAB. That will be on ESPN two, I believe it is. Um, but anyway, Blazers in the Final Four in Las Vegas. That's very cool. Notes from uh, elsewhere in the world of basketball: Damari Burnett is going to enter the transfer portal, University of Alabama. Brandon Miller was named the National Association of Basketball Coaches uh, Freshman Player of the Year. As I mentioned just a minute ago, baseball starts on Thursday at the major league level. Now I want to go some NFL real quick. Irv Smith is going to the Bengals, which affects both of my partners here. First of all, let's mark it a, a 101. Matt brought up the Bengals first. But uh, then Christian, he's a you played with Irv, didn't you? Yeah. What kind of guy is he? Great guy. Um He's a very, very athletic uh, tight end, great pass catcher, runs really good routes. Um, has, has gotten much better as a blocker. He, he's aggressive as a blocker. He's not the, the biggest tight end, um, probably more uh, on the 6'3 range and, like I said, more of an athletic receiving, uh, catching tight end. Um, but he'll put his nose in there. He'll be physical and aggressive, um, do what he needs to do um, in the run game. So, again, a great player, and uh, he's a, gr- a great guy as well, hard worker, um, you know, he, he did some great things here and he, he was on track for a, um, great career up in Minnesota, just battled some injuries. So, um, I think he's going to go into Cincinnati and, and help them out tremendously. Well, you know, I have a lot to say about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, first off, a great signing by Cincinnati and, uh, I've been, going back and forth with my Cincinnati friends who are in the know and I, I've been championing this signing for a long time but I think it's smart you look at the last two tight ends who have played with Joe Burrow right CJ Uzama he was on the final year of his rookie deal and what happens he has a breakout year he signs a three year $24 million contract with the Jets Last year, Hayden Hurst, 
former first-round draft pick. He signs a one-year deal, has a big year with Joe Burrow. What happens? Signs a three-year, $21 million contract with the Panthers. There's a pattern here. Yes. Irv Smith, how long a deal did he sign? One year. It's a prove-it deal, right? And uh, if, if Irv goes out and has a big year, he'll be in line uh, to earn that really big uh, it would, in a sense, it'd be his third contract because this is just a one year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so basically, Joe Burrow's been making tight ends some money, uh, over the last, uh, the last two years. And he's a good fit because of, uh, the, the, the talent that the Bengals have on the edges, right? With, uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Uh, it's going to open up opportunities for, Irv over the middle, and yeah, it was uh, injuries. Uh, uh, you know, and, and it, I don't know. They wasn't like it was just freakish kind of injuries. I, I don't necessarily think he was injury prone. I, I don't recall at Alabama that he had this long history of, of injuries. Um, so anyway, I, I love the signing. I love the signing, Christian, and I think it's. Uh, going to be a really good fit no i will i mean we used to go back and forth and and practice all the time because again i mean i played sam which is outside linebacker always the strong side lining up on tight ends responsible for covering tight ends especially when we're playing cover one i always would be um responsible for the tight end in in the passing situation so practice we we had a lot of one-on-one battles uh during our seven on seven periods and nine on nines and, uh, man, he's tough to cover. Like I said, very athletic, uh, guy, uh, runs really good routes, uh, utilizes, um, you know, his, his, his head fakes and then his, um, and his routes. And he's just, he's tough to cover. So I think going to a place like Cincinnati with a quarterback like Joe Burrow and having, uh, receivers, um, like Higgins and, and Jamar Chase, um, you know, for him to help just complement that offense, I think it's a great fit for him. I think it's a great fit for Cincinnati and, I, uh, I'm really excited for him. We may have lost Matt. <laughs> no, uh, you were you were going to talk about Hernandez. That's that's. What oh, you're oh, about oh what yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so maybe four years ago or so, I wrote a book with um, Dennis Hernandez, who is the brother of Aaron Hernandez. And it was a very difficult book to write uh, with Dennis because um, he had reached out to my agent uh, in, in only about two or three weeks after Aaron had taken his own life in prison. And I didn't really realize at the time that, uh, that, that Dennis just, the, the grief was still so uh, profound that it was very hard to get him to open up. And uh, the the name of the book is uh, the, the truth about Aaron, and uh, it was hard to sort of pull that out of uh, out of Dennis. And and since the book came out, um, you know we we've stayed in touch, and uh, and, and I just you know saw on uh, it was TMZ reported um, that uh, Dennis he he now goes by he goes by back to going by DJ. He played. He was a quarterback at UConn, a uh, very good quarterback, uh, team captain, and um, he uh, got in a little bit of trouble with the law, 
And uh, so what happened was that he uh, he was arrested for allegedly throwing a brick at the ESPN headquarters in Bristol. Uh, and there was a note attached to the brick. Um, this, uh, according to police, this happened around 3 p.m. on March 23rd. And, and, and Aaron and, and, and DJ, they, the, the, the Hernandez family grew up in Bristol. I mean, literally like, like three miles away from the, uh, ESPN headquarters. And, um, and, and the incident happened just after police were to, were asked to perform a welfare check on, uh, on Dennis after he allegedly stated that he wanted to smash out windows at the state capitol and at ESPN. Um, and police say that, uh, ESPN security told them that an Uber had arrived at one of their gates, but when it was turned away, passenger got out of the car, threw something onto the grounds, and then got back into the vehicle and left. Uh, the, uh, handwritten note on the, um, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a brick that was in a white plastic bag and the handwritten notes uh, said to all media outlets, it's about, and, and this is riddled with, uh, with spelling errors, um, to all media outlets, it's about time you all uh, realize the effect media has on all family members. Since you're a worldwide leader, maybe you could lead how media and messages are delivered brick by brick, clean it up. Hmm. And, and the note was actually signed, yours truly, Dennis J. Hernandez. Um, so my reaction is, uh, just one of sadness. Um, and, and there, you know, there could be, uh, I, I, I don't know what's going on with, with, uh, with Dennis. Um, it's, it's, I, I do know that I think media members, and all of us included, when we are talking about people and, and maybe mistakes they have made, you always have to be empathetic and realize that there's there's like there's family involved, right? There's real feeling and emotion, and it's it, it was just so easy. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I took the project on. It's so easy to dismiss Aaron Hernandez, right, as just a, you know, killer, throw away the key, right? Uh, James Patterson wrote a book on, on Hernandez that was turned into a documentary and, and, you know, the book just sold a gazillion copies. That's kind of what we were up against. And, and James Patterson didn't take the time. James Patterson, the leading author, the, the author who has sold more books than any other person I believe on the planet, he didn't take the time to even reach out to the Hernandez family. Wow. Didn't take the time. That's unacceptable. <laughs> I mean, unacceptable. Unacceptable. He just took what the, and this is my interpretation of it, okay? This is my interpretation, I think, and it's informed interpretation. He just took what the police and the prosecutors we're saying as gospel and just printed it as fact without going to the other side and seeing what's your version of events. You know, there, there, no matter what, there's two sides to every story. Absolutely. And, and I'm telling you just the, 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 it, it's not just the Aaron Hernandez, like 
it's easy now for us to kind of just again there's this image of Aaron Hernandez that that we have and I would argue that it's not an accurate image because it, it's it's one it's it's, it's fictional <laughs> and it's just like the media just ate it up and it's, and, well, it's and one-sided kind of I mean it's kind of yeah, only what the media is and perpetuated it and now it's 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 really just tearing his family apart it's just it's gut-wrenching to have a front row seat to this and and just witness sloppy reporting and just unfair reporting biased reporting and i mean just really bad bad things that that specific reporters did in boston to aaron I mean, just the worst kind of things you could do to somebody in prison, right? Like making allegations about their sexuality in while they're in prison and then knowing that everybody in prison is in, in that particular prison is listening to this radio show. Yeah. Just inappropriate. And, uh, you know, I just feel horrible for the family. And I appreciate You know who I feel? I'm going to interrupt here. You know who I feel horrible for? The families of the two people he murdered. You know, and I understand what you're saying, Lars, but we have talked for five minutes about, whoa, whoa, that family. He killed two people, maybe more. Um, I just, I felt it necessary to point that out since it hadn't been before. Yeah. Well, no, you're, you're, you're right, Matt. <laughs> but I see both sides as well because I guess there are both sides. Yeah. I'm not saying there aren't, but I just felt like we need to talk about that. I'm sorry I interrupted. No, I know. Absolutely. But you definitely should talk about the victims and, and, and that's probably the most important piece. But I will say that you, you do have to feel for his family because it, it, his brother didn't commit those crimes. And it's one of those things where obviously it's really affecting his brother and probably more members of his family. And that's just sad to see that. I was curious, Lars. I mean, you were around them. How was the well-being of his brother when, when you were getting to know them and, and interview them? I, you know, we spent a lot of time together. I went up and hung out with them in, in Bristol and met their mother, um, and spent time with her. And uh, they were still reeling from Aaron's passing. And 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 Matt, I'm in no way minimizing, you know what. Uh, no, and I didn't mean to imply that. I just felt like it was. I'm just. I, 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 I'm why just he was in a, I'm trying to give a perspective that most people don't even think about, right? Well, you have to add too that the later developments as well. And this is an excuse. Is this is not an excuse? But I mean, they, they did determine that he had a, a pretty advanced form of CTE. Which again, I'm not saying that's an excuse, but. Um, clearly, he might have been dealing with something um, psychologically or, or internally that that wasn't you know uh, known before. Christian, absolutely. We we Jonathan and I uh, went up to Boston University and met with the leading CTE doctor in the world, and she said that she would have testified at any of his trials that he didn't know the difference between right and wrong based on what she found in his brain. And that was post-mortem, right? Wow. After he had, he had the worst case of CTE that she had ever seen in a, in a, in a, in a, in someone who I, I think Aaron is only like 28. Um, and, um, and it, it goes all the way back to 
like they boxed his kids. Uh, he got hit with a, a, a hammer in the head as a kid. Um, you know, he was he played the sport in a very violent way. And uh, there's still just so much about CTE that we don't know. And again, I, I'm not using CTE as an excuse, but I think it's something, as you mentioned, Christian, that needs to be factored into the equation of, of trying to uh, when we're trying to understand the behavior of Aaron and, and others. Yeah, we need to get more and more and more results on that. And, um, I don't know, Christian, if you've played against or had teammates or guys, maybe even your dad played with, the have extensive CTE. But um, I got a couple of friends of mine that aren't with us anymore because of that. So um, good point to bring this up and, and eventually get to the CTE because we don't know anything, do we? I mean, I guess we know a little bit now to at least put them under – Concussion protocol. Well, I mean, but, they do. It's just all postmortem. It's just postmortem. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing. They can't necessarily determine it, um, you know, until the passing and they, they, you know, remove the brain and study it. So, with it being all postmortem, it, it's, it's very difficult to to get answers while people are, you know, alive and well. So, definitely something that I feel like uh, needs extensive research because, again, it is a huge part. Of football and other sports, not just football, but football is, you know, a very popular sport that we all know and love. And I think in order for us to continue um, enjoying the sport of football, it's, it's important that we take care of the players that are playing it. And several, and I think Junior Seau may have kind of led the charge here. Yeah, but that's uh, right. these players are, are willingly saying, after I'm gone, Please examine my brain. So maybe that'll help us discover more about this because it's uh, it's truly tragic. Uh, it leads to deaths, unfortunately. Hey, uh, when we get back, when we go from CTE to NIL, what Charles Barkley thinks about it. That's coming up next on Big Noon Sports. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool afternoon, partly to mostly sunny, the high 64. Mostly fair tonight, the low at 39. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 65. Thursday's high at 67 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Can I ask you a couple more? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's their nickname? Uh, Wolverines. How many students do they have enrolled? Uh, 42,000 and change. Jeez. Wow. Lars. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on. Me, will you? <laughs> he just buried me. He buried me. <laughs> What what is the uh, what's the mascot's nickname? Uh, Udy. Willie the Wolverine. Looks just <laughs> like uh, looks just like Michael J. Fox and uh, what was that Teen Wolf? Looks just like they have dressed like that. Look, look, check that out tonight. Looks just like. 
Uh, well, okay, let, let me ask you this. Then. Tell me about their basketball team. Oh, I don't know anything about the basketball team. I know, uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's a good team. I think it's a good team. I think, you know, Andy Kennedy has spent a lot of time the last few days kind of comparing them a little bit to FAU in, the way, in kind of their style. Certainly they're not as good as FAU, but, but uh, you know, they have a – they have a seven-foot kid that's um, you know, kind of a rim protector, kind of raw, but, you know, very athletic and, you know, is uh, blocks a lot of shots. And then they have four guys, that, um, four guards that are kind of interchangeable, you know, that, that are three guards that are interchangeable. And then another about six, six eight guy who's just kind of a, a you know, dirty work type of guy and uh, shoot the, you know, shoot the three pretty well, go about eight deep, um, just um, – Kind of a workmanlike team, kind of like Mark Madsen was as a player. You know, just sort of a a workmanlike team. I hope hopefully they dance better than Mark Madsen. But uh, other than that, I think you know it's a real similar sort of you know like, like him. Yeah, I think you could make the argument that. Well, I know you can make the argument that this is the most important game in the history of the, of the school's basketball program, given the fact that the first time that they were ever on national TV was against Cincinnati uh, to reach yeah. this point. Uh, do, do you know the story of the president of the school waving the pom-poms? I, I, I saw, I, I, I didn't really look that close out, but, but I did see, I did see her, um, her dance and it was pretty impressive. I, I liked it. I really did like it. What is the story? Is she just caught up or what? Yeah, she's a big basketball fan, big supporter, and she actually waves the pom-poms not just when the game is on national television, but she'll be there, you know, uh, all throughout all throughout the season supporting the team. And it, it's a pretty cool story, wow. and, and it's been great publicity for the school uh, that, their, yeah. that their school president is just there in the front row with the pom-poms. Um, you know, just based on, on 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 what you do know about this team, what, what's the a few keys tonight for UAB to try to advance to the uh, finals of the NIT? Well, I think they, they they've got to uh, they've got to rebound well. I mean, it's a pretty good rebounding team, but it's a, a team that that doesn't keep teams off the offensive glass very well. They're very you know, they're a good rebounding team, but but you know they 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 kind of at, at times they've been beat because of that. So I think that. You know, I think they really need to get a big game from Trey Jemison, from KJ Buff, and you know, uh, JV and Davis when he's in there. And you know, I think that's going to be a key. You know, I think um, you know, kind of playing within themselves. I mean, the, the one thing about UAB, generally this is, and Matt knows this really well. Generally, this is the kind of game where they, you know, sometimes they, you know, they don't play well. You know, they have all these expectations. There's a national audience watching. And they'll play well. So I need, I think they need to come out and just kind of play within themselves. They can't turn the ball over. You know, I think that's one thing Utah Valley can turn you over. They got to, uh, you got to keep, keep on that. And they can't let Utah Valley go crazy in, on the threes. Utah Valley's not a great three point shoot, shooting team, but when they have a lot of success, those are the games that they're shooting the threes. So they've got to do that. They've got to keep them from doing that. And, you know, I think if they play their game, I really think if UAB plays their game, they win the game. You know, I think they have a, a better talent and are a better team, but they're also capable of not winning this game. And there are two teams that are playing that wanted to be in the NIT. You know, some of these invites right. go to people like Clemson. Clemson laid a big fat egg. Let's just face it. 
and that allowed UAB to go on and play more at state. So I guess the roundabout way I'm questioning, Andy and, and the Blazers, they really want this, don't they? Well, they do now. I mean, they, they you know, they, they got, they got, they were very fortunate in playing the first two games at home. They really were because, you know, they, that was a, now that was a down team coming out of that, that, you know, coming out of the conference championship game. And, you know, I, I, I kind of wondered, you know, if they were going to be able to kind of rebound from that. And I do think it helped they got a home game. I do think it helped they got a home game against a, a rival. You know, so so I think that helped a lot. And then to get another home game, uh, you know, I think that helped. And then, then then the excitement kicks in. You know, Andy talks about that a lot too. About you know, he's been in this in this tournament as a player and a coach. And if you can get by the first round and maybe even the second round, sometimes then the excitement comes back a little bit. You know, so yeah, they're they're very excited about being there right now. Um, now they should have trade in a second to be in the in the NCAA tournament, but. I do think it, it really, with the scheduling, the way it worked out, I think that really helped them kind of get their um, get their mojo back a little bit, and, and you know now it's a, now it's a very exciting thing. Steve, uh, given the fact that UAB defeated FAU uh, one time and nearly, or probably should have beat them a, a, a second time. Um, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but do, but do you feel that this, when looking back and if you were to write the story of the season for UAB, that it's sort of potential that went maybe not completely fulfilled, that there was just a little bit more out there that they could have done? Oh, no doubt. Lars, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, when you look at this season, I think, uh, you know, if they can finish this and win the next two, you gotta be excited about winning a title. I mean, even if it is NIT, but it's a, it's a lot, it was a lost opportunity. You know, I think if, um, you know, this is a team that if they were to take it, you know, you look at that stretch where they lost five games by a total of, I think, 13 points or whatever it was, all these one possession games. Well, you know, if you win, you know, if you beat North, North Texas, for example, in that stretch, and you don't go and lose at FIU and then maybe one other. Uh, maybe Middle Tennessee or whoever it may be, then this is a team that might have got an at-large bird. I mean, really, they had they had enough pieces around it where they, you know, they might have gotten that. So, 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 yeah, I think you, I think you definitely lose. You look at this season as a lost opportunity. Now, I think you also look at it as a as a group if they can rebound and win and you know win this win the NIT. You can look at it as a group who who really was persevered, you know, persevered and. You know, uh, made something good out of a situation that they, that they had made bad at one point. So, but overall, this is a team that should have been an NCAA tournament team. I don't think, I don't think there's any doubt this is a team that should have been an NCAA tournament team. Steve Irvine is our guest from 1819 News slash Sports. Steve, did you just leave like the Stallions practice? If so, give us an update on where they are. Yeah, I was out there the first time I got to see him on the field. It's, you know, I, I love these leagues. I mean, I think it's just such a great opportunity for guys to keep playing. You know, I talked to a couple guys today that played at UAB, Myron Mitchell and, and Austin Watkins. You know, receivers are young guys that have had a little tough luck in the NFL, you know, whether it be injuries, whether it be just being in the wrong situation. And, you know, this is a chance for them to get, you know, some, some film and maybe get back in the NFL. For other guys, it's a chance to maybe play just a few more years. Uh, you know, the Breakers, the New Orleans Breakers are also in Birmingham. They've got a 35-year-old quarterback who was a 
six or seven years in, in a Canadian football league. And, you know, he's like, hey, I just want to keep playing a couple more years. And so I like that. I, I like these leagues. Um, it's hard to tell, you know, I mean, if, you know, obviously the talent's not going to be as good as the NFL. And if that's what you're looking for, if it has to be as good as the NFL, don't go to it. But, but I think it's, you know, not bad football. And, you know, again, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy watching. Neil Callaway is coaching, uh, offensive line for the Stallions. I got to visit with him for a little while and that was kind of neat. So, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's fun for what it is. You know, don't try to take it more than what it is and you, you'll enjoy it. Okay, two quick questions. One, uh, what is the access like? I, I'm assuming that they really uh, embrace media covering them. And two, how much carryover on the roster are we going to see from last year's team that, that won the championship to this year? Well, the access is kind of strange. They give you like 20 minutes at the end of practice and then you'll bring guys over to talk to you, which you would think, like I cover the old XFL, and, you know, I was out in California at the time and covered the old XFL. And you literally had, I mean, you you know, heck, you, you could ride home with them or you could you knock on their door at home and, <laughs> and talk to them. I mean, it was just like you were wide open access. And and so that was a, that's a little different. Uh, but as far as, I mean, they're, they're returning about 80, 80% of their roster. The Stallions are, are returning about 80% of their roster, which is a lot to me. You know, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to have that many. So, so they, you know, they're going to come into this um, kind of, you know, a little smoother than, than than maybe some other teams. I'm not sure what the other teams are, but I know the Stallions. I think they said today. I think it was. I think like that. I think it's 80 percent, which is you know a whole bunch. And that's 80 percent of the team that won it all too. So I think that's worth yeah. knowing. But uh, Bo is yeah. back. Jamar is back. Scooby's back. Kind of sounds like I'm talking about a cartoon. But anyway, yeah. Steve, uh, thank you so yeah. much for joining us here on Big Noon Sports. Tell everybody where they can follow your artwork. Well, I always appreciate you having me on. 1819 News uh, is we can get uh, get our uh, my stuff there. And uh, at Steve Irvine 04 is my Twitter. Get some stuff there too. Thank you, as always. Thank you, Steve. Okay. When we get back, then we'll talk about NIL and CB on Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Today. You're not on some salary or anything crazy to make it like a professional thing, but it's almost like you're just fundraising money and dispersing it amongst the players. I think that works. Do I think it works with recruiting where, you know, these schools can have boosters say, hey, we'll, we'll give you $750,000 worth of NIL money if you come to our school. That's bull crap. They need to get rid of that because that, that's where the issues are. The issues lie when, when they're using it to their advantage in recruiting. And that, that's, that, that's what creates disparity. So I think if you find a way to limit that and to, you know, keep that out of it, I think it'll be fine. I don't think it's necessarily whole doom and gloom. I, I get any, anytime something new comes up and you're in a transitioning stage, everything feels doom and gloom because you're not used to it. Hell, I'm a very conservative person. I like keeping things simple and stable. And I don't like change. 
Um, that's just how I am. But at the same time, you have to adjust and adapt. And I think that's what these, these schools will eventually end up doing. I think that's what the legislation will do. And uh, I think that's ultimately what you have to do in order um, to make sure everything flows smoothly and, and, and it doesn't go on a crash course. Yeah, um, I'm skeptical that Congress is going to get something done. Um, <laughs> and, and you really? What, you're skeptical? <laughs> <laughs> what What is the mechanism that is going to erect the guardrails? Is it going to be the NCA? No. Is it going to be the commissioners of the power conferences? Perhaps. Is it going to be the athletic directors? Probably not. Um, look at look at Miami basketball. Okay, like this is this is the perfect example of what Charles Barkley is talking about, and exactly where we are going in college sports. Okay, they sign an elite point guard. Nigel Pack, a two-year NIL deal worth eight hundred million. Wait, whoa, wait, 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 eight hundred thousand. Eight hundred. Okay, I was Lars. I was about to lose my mind. Excuse me, eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, that was too bad. For, uh, what? No, no, excuse me, eight hundred thousand. Okay, I, I, I mean that's still a, still a lot, a of huge money. amount of money. Yeah. But. and so no, so they got him to transfer from K State. Yeah, and but see, that's what I'm saying. You have to get rid of it. That's what that's what you can't have. He's got his teammate Isaiah Wong. He's got a a, a deal worth a hundred thousand per year. It's it's legal. It's public. It's a hell of a lot of money. And billionaire booster John Ruiz, that dude just is it just bought Miami a Final Four appearance. Sure, but let, let I, me let me ask you this though. I mean, that's a fair point. But could they not just legislate it like, hey, you cannot. You know, you know, sign or um, you know, construct any deals prior to you get into your new spot. I know you're going to say, "Well, how do you do that?" They can just go under the table. Well, I mean, they go back and investigate all type of things. The SEC, the the uh, you know, the government. They 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 keep track of all these taxes and all these other numbers. I mean, could they not do that here and say, "Oh, well, this fishy, this nil deal just popped up," and then they investigate it and they find out there was tampering or anything involved to get a player to come there. Then, then you rule him inel- ineligible. Like I just feel like there has to be some type of rules to where you can't use it to get players in your program. They can only make the money once they're in the program. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I know it's not going to be you know bulletproof, but at the same time, it's one of those things where there has to be a way to create some type of legislation or an investigation team to make sure. Because again, they do it with all. T- you can't tamper in the NFL. I mean, there's ways you know to go around it. If you get caught doing that, you're punished um, by losing draft capital or fines. I mean, we saw what the Miami Dolphins lost what, first round picks or first round pick. I mean, like take scholarships away, take team scholarship numbers away if they if they're caught tampering or illegally poaching teams. Like there's there's something you can do. I don't know exactly what it is, but that's what they need to figure out in terms of guys selling jerseys or selling shirts. I think that's that's fine. Let them do that, but. In terms of poaching players, illegally going and getting players, recruiting them using, um, you know, finances and, and NIL deals, that needs to be outlawed. They need to create some type of legislation. And I think that will uh, solve a lot of the problem that we have right now. Good stuff. We will wrap up this edition of Big Noon Sports in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us.
This is the Big Noon Sports Network. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool afternoon, partly to mostly sunny, the high 64. Mostly fair tonight, the low at 39. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 65. Thursday's high at 67 degrees. I'm James Fan on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big News Sports, Matt Corbalone, Waters Anderson, Christian Miller. Just doing some quick searching on the internet here. NCAA Final Four tickets can be found for as low as $82. Now, that's up there with Bob Euchre. Now... If you want to sit a little lower on the bowl, you can get a really good ticket for 200 bucks. So I'm suggesting that we do a road trip. We get everybody involved with the show. We just get on the road and head to Houston. Before I uh, walk on over to the uh, next subject, uh, Christian, tell us about some feet. Of course. And I'm glad you asked because after me and my dad finished – here yesterday, we took a trip over to the Good Feet store in Tuscaloosa over in Midtown Village. And uh, he walked away so happy after he got fitted for his art supports, his custom art supports. Um, I mean, I played football um, my whole life and played professional a little while. But I mean, my dad played nine years in the NFL. So as you can imagine, <laughs> and he's, he's getting up there. He's, he's in his 50s. He's starting to get up there. I mean, he deals with... Some really bad knee pain, some back pain, and just slipping those arch supports in his shoes yesterday, he already felt a difference. And over the next, you know, 30 or so days, as he, you know, gets used to his strengtheners and his maintainers, those are two of the arch supports they use, he'll keep seeing improvements in that pain. It'll keep being el- eliminated and alleviated. Um, truly a great product. So again, 
Um, if you haven't tried them, guys, go over to the Good Feet store. It's in Midtown in Tuscaloosa. Uh, or you can go to uh, goodfeet.com to find the nearest location near you to schedule an appointment. I promise you will not be disappointed. And, and they have the, the best customer service. They, they custom fit you. They let you walk around the stores. Try before you buy. Um, you have nothing to lose. So if you want to eliminate or alleviate any type of pain you have going on, give the Good Feet Art Support to try. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Um, with that being said, Lars, I think you had a question for me. Yeah, Christian, there's some breaking news coming out of Phoenix, uh, the NFL owners meetings. And I know fans love player numbers, right? Right. And, 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 I, and I do too. I'm very interested in it. But now for the first time in history in the NFL, the owners approved that any player can wear the number zero except offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And also, punters and place kickers can now wear the numbers 0 to 49 and 90 to 99. So I know if I was a place kicker, I would be, I'd want number 99 just for the heck of it. No, but no, you- y'all always take a good number from a defensive lineman. 99 is for like, you're like the best defensive end, the best edge rusher, Aaron right? Donald. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 90, I hate, oh, that's one thing I hate and no disrespect to kickers, but when kickers have like one of the better numbers, like, come on, man. Like, why are you wearing 99? Like, there's only so many numbers out there, and he ha- he has one of the best ones. Like, I know kickers are important. I love kickers. Matter of fact, you know, J.K.'s a punter. I was just with J.K. Scott. He's at Pro Day supporting his brother. Um, shout out to J.K. I love that guy, man. But, um, I just, God, they, they can't take these good numbers, man. But, yeah, the, I think you were saying that. What, what, so here's my here's my thing on, on the numbers, Lars. Again, we all know this by now. I'm old man trapped in a young man's body. I, I just like keeping <laughs> things simple. And like, I'll be honest, I really was kind of thrown off when they just recently allowed players pretty much to wear any number. It was like last year, I think, or the year before. Now middle linebackers, you know, it looked like college. Like middle linebackers are wearing number seven and stuff. I wore seven in high school. Single digits are cool and in college, but at the NFL level, there's just something about that tradition about linebackers wearing, you know, the fifties numbers, right? You know, something about the, the, the DBs wearing twenties and a couple thirties, right? You know, it, it just, it looks so weird to me. Like, I, like Tampa Bay, they have an edge rush who wears number nine, right? Like, I mean, it just, it just looks off in the NFL. And I'm just, I'm all about the tradition of it, but I mean, my opinion doesn't matter, honestly. But if you had to ask me, I, I'm, I think the number zero looks silly in any sport. I mean, maybe, maybe basketball looks okay only because I've seen what is it, Russell Westbrook, but I don't know. I'm not a fan of zero. I, I, I just like keeping things simple. Yeah, Matt, Matt, even quarterbacks can wear zero. What do you, oh, what that, do you would think? Be, that, that would be, that would be terrible. I, God, I, just, I, I can't see that. <laughs> By the way, and I only know this, guys, because I am an old man trapped in an old man's body. Okay. <laughs> but Jim Otto, offensive lineman for the Oakland Raiders back when they had the uh, AFC and NFC, uh, he wore zero, zero. That's not zero now, but he wore double zero back in the sixties. That's weird. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and you know, really I'm weird. looking at a picture of his jersey here, and I said, you know, it it, it looks weird. But yeah, I'm whatever. I, I maintain if they don't stop duplicate numbers at the college level, that I'm going to stop watching. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, the duplicate numbers are tough to to to. Yeah, I don't. I, they might. I don't know. That is a little weird seeing guys with the same number. I will say that. All right, guys, great show. Appreciate it. Let's do this again in about 22 hours. Sounds good. See you later tomorrow.